Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bwery, and as always, I'm with an earthquake scientist who worked in Afghanistan in the 1970s, Dr. Lucy Jones. We thank our individual supporters who help underwrite the work of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center by supporting this podcast on Patreon. Would you consider sponsoring it for as little as $5 per month? Because your support enables us to serve even more communities. Simply go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Now let's get to it. On June 22, 2022, a 5.9 earthquake occurred in Afghanistan. More than 1,000 people have been reported killed so far, with more than 1,600 others injured in that quake. It struck about 28 miles southwest of the provincial capital of Coast, near the Pakistan border. This was described in news reports here in the U.S. as massive earthquake. But in comparison, for reference, in 1987, the October Whittier Narrows earthquake that hit eastern L.A. County resulted in just three dead, and it had the same magnitude, 5.9. This is a great time to give that quick primer on size versus intensity, Lucy. The size of an earthquake, that's the magnitude, does not determine what happens in the event. People will listen to this, hear the death toll, and assume it must be a really large earthquake. But we need to remember that what we feel, and even more what happens to buildings, is not determined just by magnitude. That's one of three things that controls what gets out. Magnitude's the total energy released. Then there's how the waves change as they move through the earth. And then there's how bad your buildings are. We've talked about all of these before. I mean, we have a whole episode called all about magnitude. It's episode 40. Right. Magnitude was created to express the idea that the size of the earthquake is not what you feel. People would be in Inglewood, an earthquake in Inglewood, and they'd feel it very strongly. The people in Pasadena felt it much less. So Bino Gutenberg and Charlie Richter came up with the concept to help people understand that what you feel is not the total size. And what you feel can be explained in episode 16. I mean, if you haven't heard these episodes before, folks, go back and look at episode 16 for why you feel what you feel. And for Afghanistan, we had the town sitting directly on top of the fault. So the fault releases the energy. That's the magnitude. The waves change as they travel out. They die off with distance. Complicated ways explained in that previous episode. But for Afghanistan, they were right on top of it. It was a shallow earthquake, meaning that they were pretty close to where the energy was being released. And all of that then poured into these buildings. And then speaking of the buildings, it was episode 56 when we talked about why buildings fall down. And I think it might be different to think about what happens here in the U.S., perhaps, versus what's happening in Afghanistan. Right. In Afghanistan, we're not talking about engineered construction. The traditional building style in Afghanistan is, it's even worse than just bricks. I mean, some of them are just straight adobe, essentially, that the whole building will shuffle down when you shake it. A lot of them are river rocks that held together with relatively weak mortar and just basically stack rocks on top of each other and hold up your roof. You shake those rocks apart, the roof comes down, it collapses on top of its people, and you're much more likely to die in that situation. So we talk about this idea that the magnitude really does not control the intensity of the shaking or the impact being felt. How is it the media ends up picking up on this though, Lucy? I mean, time and again, we get reports that are kind of misleading or maybe a little more sensationalized than you as a scientist might expect. 
Well, all right. It is sensational that a thousand people died. And, you know, we have a human reaction to catastrophic events, events that kill a lot of people at the same time. That's a deep emotional thing. It is appropriate to be reporting on an earthquake that can kill a thousand people. What's the mistake is conflating that death toll with the magnitude, because then you're giving out this idea that we, who knows when it's going to happen anywhere could be having this massive earthquake. Instead of saying the damage happened here because we knew how bad the buildings were and we know that there were faults in the area and that it's actually a preventable death. It somehow feels like we're blaming the victim to say that it's a preventable death, but this is more blaming society that we know what the problems are. There are ways of going out there and helping people create better structures. I mean, these buildings are so old and Afghanistan hasn't had any investment in improving infrastructure out in the hinterlands. But I think the message that we could be preventing it if we were willing to work together to do it is a much better message than who knows who's going to be hit by all of those really terrible shaking, because that message that we don't know increases the fear, whereas the message that there's something we can do about it encourages us to get together and actually do something about it. When it comes to these global earthquakes that we're seeing on the news, and we've talked in the past again about how because of the internet and our 24-hour news cycle, we actually get pictures that we didn't get decades ago, so we're more connected to these disasters. They seem distant, they're across the globe, and they're so devastating, and we sit here in the U.S. How do we compare what's happening here in California, in the U.S., with other places? Okay, you get to you need to be the little seismologist here and go, okay, that's the magnitude, that's how much energy was released, how close are the people, and how bad are their buildings? And in fact, the USGS does this for you. There is now a system called Pager, Prompt Assessment of the Global Earthquakes Report. And Pager takes these three pieces of information, puts them together, and gives you an estimate of how bad it's going to be. It wasn't that high for this event, and I think maybe they didn't realize that this might have been a town that wasn't on their maps even. Mostly, it's very, very accurate and puts these factors together. So it's sort of an automated seismologist. What also makes this interesting is your connection to the USGS. You knew about Pager as it was being developed, but you also have this connection, as we mentioned at the beginning, that you actually did work in Afghanistan early in your career. Can you tell us what that was like and how that informs your perspective when you heard about this earthquake? When I applied to graduate school, MIT accepted me. And then to encourage me to go there, I was offered a trip to Afghanistan for two months in the summer before I actually began my graduate work. There's another student who was doing his thesis work there, and I was a field assistant, essentially. It was an eye-opening experience for me as a 21-year-old to be there and discover that uh, a lot of people considered me property. There were some people who tried to buy me from my professor. And actually, there were some areas that we got into that made sure that I was never alone because I to not be abducted. We did go down there into the southeastern part along the Shaman Fault, which is near where this happened. This wasn't the Shaman Fault. It's like California, sort of a distributed network along the plate boundary. So I saw the impact of earthquakes, the impact of a lack of engineering, and the impact of uncertainty. I don't think I want to go back to the Mideast, but I really am glad I had that experience in the past. This earthquake is a reminder that the information about the impacts of earthquakes is well known among the scientific community. And although the news may not report the nuances, listeners of this podcast will know that the impact is not unpredictable. 
In fact, as you always say, Lucy, the earthquake is inevitable, but the disaster isn't. So we'll leave it there for now. And until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a supporter at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee, and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones.